0: I'm sure you've heard the old adage, sticks and stones may break my bones, but words will never hurt me. Well, the truth is we've never been so wrong. Words matter. It's also the title of the National Institute's on Drug Abuse Campaign for Substance Use Disorder. Addiction is a disorder that happens in the brain. It is important to separate the person from their substance use disorder. The preferred way to reference someone with this disorder is person with substance use disorder. If you take away just one thing from today's podcast, remember just how powerful our words are. Simply calling someone an addict can cause them shame and lead to a stigma that for some may actually keep them from seeking treatment. You and your words could keep someone from seeking treatment. Stay tuned for more about this from Dr. Heather Manos, Addiction Therapy Specialist for Novant Health. Dr. Manos, thanks for joining us today. Thank you for having me. Well, I wanna jump right in because I know you have a lot of great information to share with our community. So. Um, First off, I would love for you to tell us a little bit about the landscape with addiction therapy and what are the statistics around how many folks really suffer from addiction?
1: Right, so I think there is a misperception on just really the burden of disease. So 10 to 12 percent of the population has a diagnosable substance use disorder. Um, that's one in 10. And um, of this 10 to 12% that is suffering, only one in 10 is receiving treatment. And this was verified by a recent study. It was a national survey um, that was just reported on within the last few months. So, you know, we have a disease that's extremely prevalent where a very small percentage is actually receiving treatment we have evidence-based treatments that have shown to bring people into recovery um, improve outcomes and they're just not being utilized and there's a lot of different reasons for this you know there are not enough addiction medicine doctors Currently, um, there is a push to increase the number of, of physicians trained in addiction medicine currently, um, and I really think that the stigma is probably second to the fact that it's just difficult to to find treatment due to the lack of availability. Stigma associated with addiction is... Uh, An enormous reason that patients do not seek treatment this idea that it is a moral failing um, that they can do it on their own they can stop on their own they don't need treatment Um, this stigma really prevents patients from walking in the door and and asking for help so of
0: those patients that have made the decision to seek treatment.
1: What does that journey look like? So I'd say it's more of a journey for sure. Um, And the first thing I'd just like to impress upon the public is how difficult it is for a a patient to walk through the door. Um, Oftentimes, because of the nature of the stigma, because of the denial involved in the disease of addiction, uh, patients, you know, they avoid seeking treatment. By the time they walk through the door, it's progressed more than it perhaps should have per- progressed, in my opinion. Um, and it, there's a lot of shame and guilt involved in addiction because this is a disease that affects families. It has oftentimes just detrimental effects on, on marriages. Um, and again, patients carry a, a lot of blame with them, so it's difficult for them to walk through the door. Um, so just the fact that they're approached with a welcoming, non-judgmental attitude from healthcare providers, is of paramount importance Um, in terms of this journey you know I've heard a lot of folks talk about you know patients with alcohol use disorder or uh, who are addicted to heroin this perception that they go to what is referred to as detox you know in the medical community or as addiction specialists we call that withdrawal management but you know a patient's hospitalized or placed in a treatment center for for detox and there is a public perception by some that once this patient is off the the substance you know whether it's cocaine or opioids or alcohol once that substance is out of the patient's system that they are then healed, that there's not a problem. Um, And this is just a huge misperception.
0: So as a person is going through detox, clearly we're removing the substance from their body, but what else is happening that
1: is leading them to recovery within their body? Okay, that's a great question. I think first it's really important to to establish the neurobiology of addiction and how that develops, and then talk a little bit about how recovery happens. So let's say a person becomes addicted to heroin um, or an opioid. So basically that person uses the substance, so heroin, multiple times, um, and You know there's a number of different reasons that a person may or may not be uh, predisposed to addiction so you know there are people that try an opioid and they're like this does nothing for me you know I hate the way I feel and then there's others that try it and they're like this is the best thing ever and you know there's genetic predisposition there's environmental reasons that this there may be differences in the way that folks react to um, different substances. But um, for patients that have this positive reinforcement with uh, heroin, for instance, um, they use this drug over and over, and um, basically the neurons are inundated with the. The drug, which um, you have a natural or endogenous production of dopamine, which is in the reward system, and it causes people to feel, basically to feel good. It's the survival center, Um, it's it's typically, dopamine will uh, increase in response to sex, food, um, things that help us survive. emotional relationships that are rewarding um, shelter so basically what happens is the the substance of abuse such as heroin comes in and stimulates this area with a force and a persistence that is not seen in nature so the endogenous response or the natural response of dopamine goes away because you know the person is using heroin or the other another drug, um, and it's just inundating. It's just flooding those synapses or those neurons with the dopamine. So, um, you know, the endogenous production goes away. So when the drug goes away, you know the neurons have sort of uh, changed to where they're not producing anything. So there's this dysphoric or unpleasant unpleasurable experience that the person goes through it over time when the drugs not present there's a shift in perception over time that the person needs the drug for survival because it's that center of the brain that is affected and it's a primitive sense so taking away the drug basically um, just puts that person or that patient into uh, feeling a dysphoria feeling of um, that they can't survive, really, because that's the center that controls this um, this whole process. So you remove the substance of abuse, you've got a brain that's completely depleted of dopamine, and the person feels terrible. And, and basically it takes up to a period of two years for that person to reestablish the normal neural connectivity, the normal dopamine levels um, to feel, quote, normal again. And it, it is this process that we call recovery um, that takes work, that takes therapy, that can be augmented by medication and that we uh, work through as addiction medicine professionals and treatment centers.
0: Now, Dr. Menos, I heard you introduce a new term, um, dependency. What's the difference between
1: dependency and addiction? Mm -hmm. That's a great question. And I think that there's a lot of confusion about that. So addiction is defined as compulsive use despite consequences, just most simply. Um, So... A person is addicted if they continue to use whatever substance substance of choice that they're using, despite the fact that it's interfering with their job, their family, um, their functioning. uh, Just despite the fact that it's impairing them in some way, Um, and you know, impairment is on a scale certainly you do not have to be living under a bridge and homeless for uh, an addictive substance to be impairing you you know it could be that you're not performing as well at work you know your family is frustrated with you because you're not fully present because you're intoxicated or you, you may just not even be present because you're out trying to find your substance of choice so um, you know not being there for your family members Um, and oftentimes patients will perceive if they still have a roof over their head or you know they still have their job that it's it's not such a problem and there's there's that denial piece but that is that's addiction so compulsive use despite consequences dependence is if a person is taking a a drug a medication um, usually on a daily basis and then if they were to stop the medication they would have withdrawal symptoms like physical withdrawal symptoms and um, so patients can take opioid medication on a daily basis and and be fully functional i mean that happens and, and then if, they, if their doctor were to stop prescribing it, then they would have withdrawal symptoms, but they're still showing up at work, it has no effect on their family life, um, and, and they just take it like a normal medication, and that would be dependence without addiction. So you can have addiction without dependence, and you can have dependence without addiction, or you can have both together once a patient is engaged in treatment the expectation really is that um, they stay engaged in, in therapy um, i liken you know, addiction to any other chronic disease such as diabetes um, chronic obstructive pulmonary disease it is something that has to be managed so You know alcohol is extremely prevalent in our society right so if I have a history of alcohol use disorder um, I'm gonna be in situations all the time where I'm exposed to friends family drinking at events and um, inevitably I'm going to get stressed and there was a time you know potentially if I'm a patient with alcohol use disorder that alcohol was my best friend, really. I mean, it was what I used to um, self-medicate, to deal with my anxiety. And there, if there is not an ongoing awareness and way to manage anxiety, stress, um, to identify triggers, potential triggers, um, then there's a huge potential for relapse. And we actually think about addiction as a chronic relapsing disease. And the importance is that relapse is recognized early and that it is treated and so that the patient can spend the majority of his or her life in a recovery state rather than in a state of active use.
0: Wow, Dr. Manos, that is a lot to unpack. And I'm, I'm really grateful that you're here to help us navigate um, some understanding around addiction therapy. Thank you so much for sharing that with us today.
1: Thank you for having me. I appreciate that.
0: Brandy Edwards again. You know, Dr. Manos made an interesting point. Recovery from substance use disorder could be equated to managing other chronic conditions like diabetes. I never thought about it that way, but it certainly hit home. As a diabetic myself, the work is continuous and requires consistency in managing so many aspects of your life, like weight, food, exercise, medications. And for many chronic disease sufferers, it is those small decisions day to day that make the difference for a lifetime. I'd like to thank Dr. Manos for her contributions to today's episode of In Good Health. And I'd like to thank you for listening. Please remember to rate us, review us, and subscribe to this and all the other Novant Health podcasts on Apple, Google, Spotify, or anywhere you choose to listen to us. You don't want to miss an episode.